That's a growler. Hello, and welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. This is a platform where we let our individual light shine through our personal testimonies of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and the many blessings it brings to our lives. Here's our host, Don Trail Morrow. All right, everyone, welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. My name is Brandon, and I'll be interviewing Don Trail Morrow, whose podcast this is. We're just going to get a little bit of the genius behind the man here, <laughs> getting a, a good sense of it. All right, so Don Trail, are you ready? I sure am, and I want to thank you so much, Brandon, for doing this. Of course. Yeah, I'm anxious to, to do it and have this conversation. This is a gospel-centered conversation and podcast that revolves around gospel topics. So we're just going to dive into the life of Don Trell Morrow, talk about kind of the spiritual side of his life. Awesome. So here we go. We're going to kick it off with one of these questions. Um, so what's your experience in being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? What has that experience been like for you? You know, it has been a learning experience. I have been a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints now for 19 years. It will be on June 30th this year in 2020. And it is something that has really helped transform, I would say, like the the path that I saw for myself initially. I joined the church when I was 18 years old. And during that time, I mean, it, that time period and age in life is always kind of, you know, like a, a compass. You know, you're trying to figure out which direction you want to go in and and where you want to be, what what life's going to be like. And I was approaching the end of high school. And during that time, along with that, that normal, I guess, stress for that age, I was also living with my paternal grandmother, Adele, who was struggling and suffering with terminal cancer at the time. And so for me, it was just all of those anxieties plus you know, her experience and and what she was going through on top of that, wondering not only was she going to be okay, was she going to be able to, you know, overcome and beat that illness? And if not, what was going to happen with me? Like, where was I going to live? And so I had all of that on my mind. And during that same time, I had also been kind of wondering about the gospel, just in general, just wondering what God's plan was. Let me pause you right there, Don Trill. Have you heard about the gospel before, like before you were 18 years old, or was that the first time you'd heard about it? I had heard about it, yes. So I grew up both in the Catholic Church and in the Baptist Church, because I lived in between with my mom and my, my grandmother. And so they both shared those religions. So I knew um, a little bit about faith, but I just didn't really have a full knowledge of it. I, I didn't have a a full understanding in the plan of salvation until I met the missionaries that same year when I was 18. That's fantastic. What was your first impression of the missionaries? Well, you know, I didn't know really what to think initially. I had some good friends I would talk to on the phone. I had, that was back when we had three-way calling. I, I had three friends, John, Joseph, and Josh. And we would always, at the end of school, we when we got home, we'd just get on the phone call and we'd start talking about, like, biblical Bible stories, trying to figure out, you know, 
what just they for meant. fun, just yeah. for fun. And I, I initiated it because I just really wanted to know. And, and my friends, you know, for some reason they gravitated towards me with that, which was awesome. And we did that for about a year. And it was during that year, I really gained my own personal testimony of the savior. And the missionaries actually went to my friend, John, to his home, just tracting and he wasn't interested necessarily in the, the message they had. But when they asked him that golden question of what missionaries ask investigators, do you know anyone who would be interested? He immediately thought about me. And wow. and he was really nice and, and called yeah. me up on the phone and, and just asked me that I want these young preachers that had just taught him a lesson about Jesus to come over. And I, of course, said, yes, I was intrigued and said, yeah, I'd love that. And when they came over the next day, my first impression of them was, wow, I definitely want to do what they do because they were, you know, all dressed up, snazzy, and they were my age. I could tell that when he meant young, I was like, well, I didn't think he meant that young. You know, (laughs) I thought he meant like 30s or so. Like 18. Yeah, yeah. And it was so cool, you know, they were, they were, they were 19 and well, I think one was 19, he was brand new and the other was 20, but they were just so young. And I, I was just immediately intrigued and was anxious to hear what they had to say. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know. I, I think first impressions of missionaries, I always grew up in the church myself. And so being a missionary was always a, a planned for thing. And so seeing it from another perspective like that is, is always interesting. Um, So you knew right away when you met them, I want to do what they do. How long did it take from that moment on uh, until you went on your mission? How long was that? Oh, wow. So it took a long time for that. But I will say this. um, Let me maybe back up and say, how long did it take you to be baptized after that initial meeting? To be baptized. So to be baptized, it took me three months because I met them in March of 2001 and got baptized uh, June 30th, 2001. And so it took about three months and it was because, you know, I was, yeah, well, to them, I think it felt longer, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I just had a lot that I was trying to figure out. I loved their company. I loved having them around, but my grandmother did not. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people that I was friends with and close with at the time, especially in school and even teachers that I really looked up to had nothing good to say about the church. And when everybody was telling me that it was so wrong, I just thought, you know, maybe I should kind of back off. Maybe I should kind of like just figure it out. But the thing that changed my mind was when the elders taught me how to, how to pray and how to do it just openly one-on-one with God, not a rote prayer not with the rosary, which I had uh, prayed like, you know, with before. And it was three days after that when I got just the most amazing confirmation concerning the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon that I could not deny. Pause there. For members of the church, that is certain, we know exactly what you're talking about. Maybe for those who aren't members, what did it feel like for you? When you say you got a confirmation, what did that look like or feel like? What did it feel like for you? For me, so, you know, it was, it was, I would say miraculous. I was at home. I was reading the Book of Mormon a little bit before I was getting ready for bed. And 
as I was getting ready for bed, I, I remember I knelt down in prayer just alongside my bedside and I was praying to know what to do because I, I knew in my heart that I felt that I was in good good company and 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 good hands with the the church and with the knowledge I was learning, but everyone around me felt the opposite. So I just prayed. And it was about three or four days after the missionary had taught me the the way to openly pray that this night that this occurred. I prayed and then all of a sudden I just I felt like I I had a great like warm feeling come over me and I heard a voice like a whisper um, in my left ear that said that I knew what was right to trust my to trust my intuition um, and that blessings would follow. And it was it was I'd never, never had experienced anything like that before. And I called the missionaries up immediately. I, I think it was at least after 10 o'clock that night. And I was explaining to them the best I could what happened. And the one elder, oh, what does it sound like? What, what? And, and his companion, <laughs> it's the still small voice, elder, what do you think it was? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so they came over excitedly the next day to meet me after school. I would, I would meet them outside, you know, my grandmother's home because they weren't allowed there. So we would just meet outside of school and, and I talked with them and told them about the experience. And they said, well, we're going to invite you to be baptized this Saturday. And Aww. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that happened to be June 30th, and I, I got baptized. Yeah, that's awesome. I, that's a wonderful story. I love that. <laughs> and maybe we could just, I want to talk about, um, I guess, for members of the church, we all feel the Spirit or recognize the Spirit slightly different. Although it seems like in unison, we were all like, yeah, that's what it feels like. Or, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of ways, you know, to feel the spirit. But I like how you illustrated with the feeling that you you felt inside and the whisper in your ear. I think those things are important, you know, to consider, especially when you're looking for the truth. I think that's important. So mm-hmm. I love it that you did that. How did your family take it? Not well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone about my baptism. In fact, the day I went to go and get baptized, I, I feel bad even a little bit. I told my grandmother I was going swimming that day. She was a very, very loving and overprotective grandmother, and rightfully so. I had gone through a lot of things that made her more scared about my well-being outside of her care, especially, you know, when I was younger, I went through a lot of bullying in school. So she was just the old-fashioned, literal old-fashioned parent that wanted to know the parents, you know, when I would go out with to, with a friend to do something or wanted to know where I was going, when I would be back, because this was before we had cell phones yeah. and before that was just an everyday, like, common thing. There were days so, like that, right? Right. <laughs> so, so if I was gone, you know, there'd be no way to know where I was unless I told her. So I told her I was just going to the beach and, you know, I felt bad. And I remember the missionary said, Oh, well, your sins are about to be forgiven. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And I said, are you sure? Get all your lying out now, man. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, you know, my grandmother found out a few weeks later because the mission president sent a letter of congratulations. And I didn't know they were going to do that. And so I came home from school and it was not um, a pleasant conversation waiting for me. 
<laughs> and and then I was public enemy number one because the rest of the family felt that I had upset my poor terminally ill grandmother, which she was, and that I was the bad guy for doing from what they understood something rebellious. You know, they didn't really understand everything, but they thought, what are you doing? You know, are you being a typical teenager and just disobeying her and upsetting her like that when she's, and I'm like, no, no, it's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it was not pretty for a little while for a few years after really, honestly. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I mean, is she, uh, did you eventually mend those bridges? Is she, did she ever accept the fact that you became a member of the church? Well, interestingly enough, no. Like we, after a while, like we just didn't talk about it. It was a source of contention. And so I didn't want to ever bring it up. And I moved away shortly after that. Oh, gotcha. That's when I moved to live with my mom full time because she was just so ill. And my aunt had come to live with her and to help her out. Because she just, you know, she couldn't really do much at that point. And so I didn't want to bring it up. And there was one time I saw her before she passed away that I just, you know, I had a wonderful, like the spirit testified of me that it would be the last time I saw her. And I didn't know it at the time that that's what the spirit was trying to tell me. But the Lord was very merciful and that to give me a strong impression before I was leaving from one visit to go back in the house and tell her how much I loved her. And she did the same. And I was planning on coming back to see her a few weeks after that. And she passed away in between that time. But I know she accepted the gospel. I had her work done for her after like having a prompting to do so. I had a dream where she appeared to me and she didn't come right out and say it, but it was very symbolic. And throughout the dream, I, I took me a while it took me a couple of years, actually, before I realized what she was trying to tell me. And I, I learned what the truth was and what she was trying to explain in a gospel doctrine class one Sunday mm-hmm. when they were talking about the spirit world. And then it clicked. You know, it took two years, but it clicked. And I was like, wow. And as soon as I realized, I made sure I had her work done um, and had her sealed to my grandfather, which was nice. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm glad you mm-hmm. got that, that closure with that. That's wonderful. I mean, and I happen to know that your mother just recently joined the church. If that's information you'd like to to share with, with yes, us about. she did. You know, she joined the church. She decided to to be baptized in 2016, and I was able to do that that summer for her as well. And it was it was great because I I didn't previously know that that's something that you know she would want to do. She had known about the church. Um, at that point for many years since I had been a member, so at least since 2001. And, you know, just circumstances in her life led her to, I guess, really understand the fragility of life and to really want to to do what she could to to follow, to, to like really follow the Lord's plan for her. And she came through that, I'm proud to say, on her own through prayer. I was a support, but I really you know, had nothing to do with her decision. And that's when she invited me to baptize her, I almost didn't want to do it because I wanted it to be completely her whole experience. But, you know, I, I, of course, obliged her wishes. And (laughs) just recently, actually, (laughs) I know, right. (laughs) But then just recently, actually four months as we're uh, four weeks ago, as we're recording this podcast, like she uh, received her, 
endowments in the temple, which was great. And so, that's amazing. yeah, that was, that was a really wonderful experience to have with her as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Some blessings certainly came from that decision to be baptized all those years ago when you met Oh, yes. So going back, how? Uh, so you went on your mission shortly after? Well, I went on my mission at least from the day I got baptized. It was at least uh, close to seven years later. But I want to say as far as missionary work, because it's mm-hmm. something that I really love and I'm really passionate about from the day I met the missionaries when I knew instinctively that I wanted to do what they what they did, I I didn't understand it in the right context at the time because I was just meeting them. But I know that that feeling was something that just was inside of me that was just naturally coming out because I've loved being able to support the missionaries and really connect with them. And they taught me a lot. I, I became a ward missionary in 2003. I believe it was either 2002 or three. And I really, really took that to heart. I mean, I was the the young guy who was going out with the missionaries literally every day and not just for a few hours a day, like all day, like they would call me and I'd go out with them for as soon as they left their apartment. Um, Golden member. Yeah. I that was a special like tender mercy from the Lord, honestly, because I did it from 2003 all the way until I decided to go on my mission in early 2007. And I mean, that changed my my whole like young adult life, really, because I did that from the age of pretty much 1920 on. And I became such good friends with these with these missionaries. I mean, they became more like my brothers, really. They taught me so much about oh gosh, just just people and different personalities, different viewpoints, and about the gospel in, in itself. You know, before that, I was very much an introvert and kind of stayed to myself. And so after meeting them and coming into the church, you know, that got me at least a little bit out of my shell and helped me to, I guess, to be more social and to be, to have to learn how to deal with it because I, I have an anxiety disorder, but, you know, I I had to learn how to really just try to push through it, even though some days I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't feel like I fit in. (laughs) I don't know if I should be around, but, you know. And I don't want to certainly degrade, but that is something that happens. Like, there are those with anxiety issues and things. Missionary work seems to push you out of that shell just a little bit. Yeah, because you're focused on others. And that's when I'm focused on helping others, I feel like that's honestly the best because it helps me to put that anxiety more in check. I mean, it's always there, but I just I have to force myself more not to focus on it because I feel like somebody else is more important. And, you know, that's that's been a guiding force and kind of therapeutics in some ways. Yeah. It actually helps solve a lot of problems. It's not mm. the exact antidote, but it certainly helps. So where did you go on your mission when the time came? I went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So share with us maybe a favorite highlight of your mission. When I say, how did you like your mission? <laughs> what comes to mind? Oh, my goodness. Favorite highlight. Well, huh. I guess I could start. I know what other people would say. They would probably say, 
Elder Morrow did not like the cold at all. Because <laughs> 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 it was very apparent, even from some of the first initial pictures you see with me <laughs> in the mission, right. that I did not hide the fact that I did not like being cold because I was not used to it and being in that environment. I got there in February, the end of February of 07, and it was cold. That doesn't get colder than that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably yeah. like would be other, if I could say, that probably be other people's highlights. But as far as myself, well, I, I guess one of the things that stood out to me was just learning just how the world kind of worked, L like learning intimately that people really did have their own opinions about how to worship and, and and really, really believed a lot of things that weren't true so quickly when it came to our religion. And I, I don't know, like it was, I was always constantly amazed at like just how people would not really research or look through things and would just automatically believe something. And that was always a shock to me because I thought, well, don't you really want to know for yourself, like, but I mean, other than that, I, I would say after learning that and really coming to understand it, I learned not to take so personally when people were so dismissive and, and very rude about it um, in a lot of cases. And I mean, I learned to love a lot of the people I worked with and, and served with as missionaries. That I think was one of the biggest things It's just really learning how to to have your life kind of like in service and, and with like the same goal, but maybe different ideas and opinion and how to get there, but still learning how to work through that as best as you could <laughs> to get what needed to be done, done. And so I, I, I find that that's my, one of my biggest highlights is that I just, I just kept going every day um, and didn't give up. Sometimes you can't, right? You got to just keep going and get right. rejection keep after hoping. rejection. Mm -hmm. Keep and hoping keep and keep going. And I think, yeah, I think missionaries they get special help with that, you know, just to keep <laughs> going. But then you you show it to yourself too. You're like, I did this, and and the Lord helps us with that. Mm -hmm. um, how's your How's your mission helped you help to prepare you for life after your mission? You know. I would say the one thing it's done is just helped me to stay hopeful because that's the one thing I had when, when things were always going out of control, I had to rely on hope, but I will also say along with hope, it taught me to really trust my instincts because the Lord can only lead you so far, but then he leaves the choices up to you on whether you are going to follow a prompting or whether you're really going to include him in the process. And so I had to learn, one of the things I learned the most on my mission that has really helped me the, the absolute 100% most is how to plan. Because I learned how to plan so well and so effectively. And I learned how to have a, a plan A, B, C, and D. And and sometimes I'd go a few letters over just to be right. safe, you know, because things I learned really it's quickly. W Y Z. Yeah, exactly. Because I learned really quickly, things don't always go according to the way you plan, hardly ever. But in the they moments don't. that they do, it's when your will is aligned with God's will. And so it taught me still plan, 
try to go to him and make a plan, but trust your instincts that he gave you, your God-given wisdom that he's given you, but then go to him and kind of say, all right, this is what I'm thinking. How does this work? You know, is this a part of your plan? And I've only had to learn how to get better and better at that even since the mission. I think I, I learned it and implemented it really well in the mission, but I think I'm doing the process of perfecting it after the mission because that's how I approached my education. And I was able to finish my education and achieve my associates, my bachelor's degree and my master's degree within a five-year period because of using the same goals of planning that I did on the mission. That's the only reason why it worked, because I did what I was told to do, and I followed, you know, the advice of my professors and advisors like I did with the, you know, my my leaders on the mission. And and I just planned it out and said, okay, you're going to make time and blocks to do this and this and this. But I never thought I would achieve any of it. I just thought I'm just going to keep going until I either fail or finish and see which one comes first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just hope it all works out, right? (laughs) Exactly. That's what brings it back to hope. That's why I always had to learn how to hope and then try to align my plan as much as I can with what the Lord wants. When we accomplish things, it bolsters our self-esteem too. So that's impressive. Those that many degrees in such a short amount of time. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And principles that you learned from your mission. So President Nelson has recently, I guess, invited the members of the church and those maybe not members of the church. How do how do we hear the voice of the Lord? You know, what does that look like? I mean, there can be a lot of ideas, but quite simply, how do you how do you hear him, Heavenly Father? You know, I think it's a combination of things. Sometimes, like I I feel like early on, especially when I first joined the church, I would get that spiritual like prompting through that feeling and sometimes through a voice, like where I would either feel like I'd hear it or or in my mind just have it like like have a voice in my mind since the mission because I think a lot changed in my life just, you know, as you get older and as as time changes. I think now I I hear it, but I hear it more kind of like in a thought. Like, I mean, it, it just depends on the situation. I feel like when the Lord's really trying to get my attention, I mean, he knows the best way that I'll recognize it and know it. But then there's sometimes where I feel like he gives me like a thought or an impression. And then he kind of says, okay, I'm going to see what he's going to do. Is he going to act upon that? Or is he going to invite me more for that? And then that's, that's how it is. I like, for example, even with doing this podcast, this came from one of those promptings that I woke up in the middle of the night having, because I felt like I needed to, I I wanted to do more, like to be engaged in, in a form of missionary work. And we've heard like some of the the prophets and the apostles talk about, I think it was Elder Bettner who once said that he wanted us to use social media and the internet as a tidal wave for, for good and for the gospel. And, you know, that stayed with me. And one night I just thought about it and 
I thought, okay, I, I wonder what I could do. I wonder how this would work. And I had no idea, um, but, you know, the Lord inspired me from everything from the the name of the podcast to, you know, who to reach out to for help with it and participating with it. And so it's just, again, I think right now the Lord is just helping me to realize that, like, I can still trust him and that he gives me the autonomy sometimes to figure out, okay, how do you think it's going to work? Mm-hmm. And I'll try something. And if it so doesn't, you act, right? Yeah. And if it so doesn't work out, mm-hmm, then I can trust him. And then he'll say, yes. Okay. Or no, like do this, or he'll send someone in my path. You know, when I thought uh, full disclaimer, <laughs> the reason we get the opportunity to even do this the Lord kind of told me and inspired me that this was part of the process of this podcast uh, to be able to really open and share my testimony about why it's so important to me. And I was trying to figure out, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to have someone like there with me to help me really explain the story in a way that's comfortable, but that's clear and Sure enough, the Lord told me, you know, that that answer will come. And guess how it came? <laughs> through through your volunteering to do it. And I was just like, now, what was Whoa. I doing? Jeez. <laughs> I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. It was just in a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think it was just joking me. I'm like, you know, has anyone interviewed you? You're like, Brandon, <laughs> will you interview me? I'm like, well, well, yeah, sure, I guess. Well, seeing as how I just prayed about that the night before, and I was kind of trying to think about, okay, should you have this person do it, this person? And then there you were for this particular podcast medium, and you said that, and I thought, no way. And I got that feeling, way. (laughs) (laughs) Way, yeah. That is so cool. No, it is fun. I I love hearing these stories, and and, uh, you know how to tell stories, Andrew, so it's it's nice to hear about all this. (laughs) That you're telling us about your conversion story, about why you remember the church, and now you hear the the voice of the Lord, and I, I think those are very valuable and important things. Um, maybe is there any anything else that's on your mind that you'd like to share with us, just your audience generally, of uh, listeners? What would they want to know about the church, or about your perspective of experiencing the gospel? The only thing I can honestly think of saying my feelings about the church, I feel like. We are definitely living in a time where testimonies are individually challenged. They're challenged by the world, most definitely by the adversary. And the adversary is really, really diabolical in the way that he tests you or or tries you in certain ways because he'll try to distract you and he'll use anyone or anything. And most recently, I've seen a lot of the different ways that he does it, including with a lot of things and and some individuals at church, you know. I think sometimes it's easy to let... If we were all perfect, Dontrell, you know, if we were all perfect in the church, I mean, that's right. Right, right. And that's, and that's what I mean, because he knows that people have weaknesses. And I think that he sometimes allows those or, or you know, the Lord even allows it to to kind of help you be stronger because you have to always 
every day decide why you're a member of the church. Are you a member of the church for yourself or for a, a, a title or a calling that you have or to impress other people? Or are you in a member of the church because you want to serve the Lord and because you believe and know through the witness of the spirit that he has restored the gospel through the prophet Joseph Smith, through the living apostles and prophets we have today, through we have the Book of Mormon, we have the priesthood restored, uh, we have the holy temples, we have the really the humbling honor to go in and to, to perform that holy work. I mean, you have to just decide why you do it every day, no matter what you know people may say, how they may judge, you know, how you may feel. I think Alma said it the right way in the Book of Mormon. You know, you can worship anywhere. You don't have to always be in church to worship. And that's what we've learned even more recently with the Come Follow Me. But it's also in the mindset that you, you know, it, it doesn't matter like where you come from. You can still worship and do it pure in heart and do it for yourself and for the Lord. And that's that's the one thing I want the podcast to do is to focus on the gospel principle and and those true things that we do every single day or that we try to do. I mean, because none of us are perfect. We're all constantly learning, but that we're just trying to to implement each day in our life and to honestly testify of the blessings that we've seen come from it, whether it be tithing, whether it be being a holder of the priesthood or a ministering assignment that you, you know, you've been able to help someone. Any one of those things, when you think about it, you can, the Lord will give you an honest experience that you can say, this would not have happened had it not been for this gospel principle being restored in these last days. So that's what I like to focus on is just how it's made us individually stronger and how collectively as a group we can work together to do the same and help uplift others. Excellent. Excellent. How we experience the gospel, that's certainly something that's individual to each of us. So, Dontrell, that's wonderful. Thank you for your testimony and your conversion story. That's all I have. Thank you for joining us for on this Shining Light podcast. Join us next time. Dontrell is going to take the reins on this next podcast. Thanks. Thank you so much, Brandon. <laughs>